You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Friday, and this is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests are going to join us on the Goodyear hotline, and you can be part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. College football's back, so are the fans. Return to glory with fans built by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, last night, Sarah, NFL fans got the game that they deserved. There is this trend of wild chaos on primetime games, and I'm here for all of it. It could be a little earlier for my old man bedtime, but I'm here for (laughs) all of the wild chaos we get in endings. And just when you thought Monday Night Football was weird enough where it looked like it was over and over time and all of a sudden it wasn't over, well, everybody involved in last night's game said, hey, we want in on the fun too. The Washington football team, the New York Giants. It looks like it's over. There's an offsides penalty on a missed field goal at the end of regulation. Washington gets a second shot at it, and all of a sudden, bam, just like that, we end up with Washington getting the win over New York in one of the most heartbreaking losses I can remember, not just for a team, but for a fan base. To sit there and lose that way, that's the sort of loss that all year long just sits in the back of your mind. Yeah, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Don't forget, you could be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation hitting us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed with your thoughts. All show at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. Fitz, I was at a restaurant with a bunch of Giants fans. There's a whole slew of ESPN people in town for some business. Went to dinner with them last night. And after dinner, right as dinner is ending and we're all getting up to go, we look and realize the game is coming down to the final minute where we're huddled around a phone and the heartbreak for the Giants fans. I mean, it was... And, of course, I'm being a jerk, saying, oh, I can't wait to see how they blow this. And then, of course, they did. Uh, and what was <laughs> fascinating, and we'll get to the Giants side of blowing it, but also, I don't want to undersell Taylor Heineke proving that he's more than just that one impressive, effective start in that loss to the Bucks in the playoffs where he was forced into action. We were all kind of like, not too bad. He reminded us just how little opportunity he's had before this excellent performance when he was asked about getting his first win last night. It, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, the first start was, what, two or three years ago in Carolina? Threw three picks, tore my tricep. It was just a brutal thing, and that was my last start until last year, Tampa. Um, t- come in Tampa last year, had a good game, but ultimately fell up short. And then finally um, get that first win. So it's nice to get that weight off your shoulders and hopefully we can keep the ball rolling. Yeah, Heineke was cut by Ron Rivera back at at the previous stop, now playing for him here, the Washington football team. And in three starts, including that postseason start against the Bucs, he's completed 93 passes. That's the most completions by any quarterback over their first three career starts in NFL history. Have they found their guy? Is he the guy even when Fitzpatrick comes back? Yeah, I think that's an interesting part of this question because Joe Thomas on the after show last night on NFL Network said, I had to ask our people three times, He's 28 because you don't think of Heineke (laughs) being 28, but you're right. And uh, he was very, very adamant that uh, Heineke deserves a shot. I don't think he's wrong. I mean, if you watch the Washington football team last night, I was surprised that there were some times that their defense just got caught, right? Like I was surprised for it's a defense I'm I'm so high on. And there were times they just looked a little lost. I, I thought Taylor Heineke did a great job in front of the show, Terry McLaurin, who yeah. I've drafted in every fantasy league yeah, possible I simply tried. because of our fandom, yeah. uh, looked uncoverable. I mean, it was one of those things where you knew they were going to go to Terry McLaurin and they could do nothing to try and stop it. I keep watching the Washington football team and saying, hey, 
if we assign any other name to that quarterback, uh, you're looking at an explosive offense, what's supposed to be a very good defense, and now what they needed was just so, so, so quarterback play. They got better than that, and that's why they get the win. Talked to Jerry Brewer on the show last night. I was solo, by the way. I don't know if you heard that your flight didn't make it, so I was solo. I was talking to Jerry Brewer last night, and I was asking him, do we know who any of Heineke's big weapons are? Because obviously he's thrust into action. This was Fitzpatrick's team. And he said, certainly as a connection with Scary Terry. We saw it last night. One of the cool things to see and hear about Heineke is, of course, whenever a guy steps up, you're going to hear teammates say, he's ready, we have faith in him. But it has been effusive. People compared him to Russell Wilson. People have said the world needs to know what Heineke could do. And one of his teammates who has been most on the hype train is J.D. McKissick, who is on Freddie and Fitzsimmons and said this about Heineke. He's a guy that we believe. Uh, we know the way he came in the playoffs last year and came in and spent also in the Carolina game. We knew that he had that, that uh, in him to where he could just come in and make plays. And for him to get a chance to start and come out and show what he do, uh, we all knew he could do that. Uh, it was just for the world to see. And I believe, I believe him that they're not just they're not just saying that they've all felt that way. That confidence has been there, and that's what's going to make things so interesting. If he can keep this up against a very difficult schedule over the next couple games before Fitzpatrick has a chance to come back, and can he decide? I'm just taking over while you're gone. I'm taking your job. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz, Sarah Spain. It's time for some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. There is another side to this matchup, and that side of the matchup is where the blame lies for that sort of a loss. Tim Tebow had his thoughts about it on first take today. This is what Tebow said. I don't think this is on Joe Judge. I think it is on the missed opportunities of the Giants. And you don't think Joe Judge had had told the defensive line, hey, watch the football, watch the football, watch the football. Of course he said that. But eventually it has to be up to the players to go out and execute that, especially at those critical times. And and I could not disagree with Tim Tebow more with everything he just said right there. Number one, yeah, it's always on the players. But when you see so many players throughout the course of a game making so many mistakes, we're talking about holding penalties, we're talking about the offsides, we're talking about a dropped pass in the end zone that would have been a touchdown. I mean, it just goes everywhere. And at some point, if multiple players have those moments where they're having mental lapses, you have to look at the culture that's being created by the head coach. At, at the end of the day, if you look across the entire board, of a roster and say, wow, we just have a lot of people that made boneheaded plays tonight. That's harder for me to believe than the opposite, which would we be... We didn't have them ready. I mean, that at the end of the day, that's Joe Judge's job, like it or not. Yeah. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Uh, Chris Canty was uh, on the show before us. It's, it's uh, Canty and Gullick Jr., but he was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning talking about the giant struggles. And this is what I think the, the root of it is. There are disparate pieces that are all trying to come together, and I'm not really sure whose vision it is, but this, in my opinion, is going to get broken up pretty soon, and we're going to have another complete rebuild, new GM, new quarterback, new everything. Maybe Judge gets to stick around, but to your point, the guy who's got his guys running laps and wind sprints a couple weeks ago because they didn't have focus, clearly that didn't affect their focus in the game, right? That's not necessarily the way, obviously, to get these guys motivated or to get them ready because they showed up and they were incredibly sloppy. Here's what Chris Canty said. I think it starts with stability. It starts with being able to make sure you have a general manager and a head coach that are on the same page. And with Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge, it feels like a little bit of a forced marriage. It feels like this is the decision that ownership wanted to make when it came to hiring Joe Judge. And I'm not necessarily sure that this marriage is going to work out. But I'll say this. I mean, this is the Giants' fifth straight 0-2 start. And the last four 0-2 starts that they had led to double-digit loss season. So it's 
I, I, I don't know if you want to take this as an ominous sign of things to come, but this is this is one of those things that we have to concern ourselves with because it feels like the giant season can get away from them here early. Fitz, not just five straight 0-2 starts, but eight of their last nine seasons have started 0-2. Daniel Jones has lost all six of his primetime starts. No quarterback since 1950 has started their career with seven straight losses in primetime. This is ugly already, and it's ugly in part because of not just 0-2, but how they lost, all the mistakes that were made. And to Canty's point, Gettleman's going to be gone. Sorry, we're not building anymore. Something something should have been built by now. We should have a first floor, second floor, something. We got a bunch of foundations and a bunch of disparate parts that don't go together. Thank you. We're not anymore. You're done. We're not going to be building under you anymore. He's going to be gone, and then it's going to be up to the new person. Do I want Daniel Jones? Do I want Joe Judge? And here we go again. Start all over. Wasted time. Years wasted for the Giants franchise. Last night, I know it's early, but that was a huge blow. Yeah, last night felt like a backbreaker, not just yeah. for the fans, but also for the organization. That's and some Daniel straight Jones. talk. Yeah, <laughs> for all of them. I mean, the amount of people that lose their jobs from a game like that is really staggering. Straight talk, straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Speaking of straight talk, it's coming in the form of a huge announcement. Sarah Spain has an announcement you do not want to miss. You'll hear it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. We're going to get into the very important to snitch or not to snitch conversation. Tell you what's on the docket for a massive WNBA doubleheader tonight. But first, I have a very important announcement. I have decided, independently of you, Fitz, you're just along for the ride here, sorry. Okay. That we will become the show of note. And this is going to take a group effort. I'm going to need all the producers and board operators and hosts and anyone in the Spain and Fitz General umbrella window. I don't I don't know what an umbrella window is, but you get what I'm saying. If you are in our orbit, I guess is what I was looking for. As a listener, otherwise, you need to bring these people to us. I would like us to become the show of record when somebody bets against themselves for no reason. As I described it last night, it's like the meme. No one. Absolutely no one. This guy. Go ahead and roll it, Stash. On this day, 9-7-21, 8-19 p.m. Eastern, Fitz on Tony Gonzalez saying the Bucs could be undefeated. You if were the ready Bucks for go that. undefeated and win the Super Bowl, I will get both of my nipples pinched on national TV. Pierce. Here come the pain! Ah! Why do radio yeah, people insist on saying stuff like, I'll eat a bird or a horse poop or whatever? <laughs> it's the you dumbest thing you can no do one. in radio. And I, no I, I was, walked into stupidity. No There's a wall of invisible you. stupid and I hit it. Are you stupid or something? This is Spain and Fitz. Yeah, so still not proud of it. By the way, I knew in my head I was screaming, "Stop, stop, stop!" Yeah. And I just couldn't. Got ahead you of became, myself. You became one of them, and uh, I noticed last night that you were not alone because our very own ESPN Radio's Bart Scott was on Get Up and inexplicably, for no reason, without provocation, said this. Everybody's in love with Jalen Hurts this week. Everybody went out and bought jerseys. Jersey sales up 500%. But I tell you what I bet you the Philadelphia fans didn't do. They didn't pop that tag off. They tucked it in. Because this week they're going to be returning all those jerseys because they got the San Francisco 49ers that look elite. So, listen, don't worry about it. Same thing make make you cry. I bet you that if the, if, the, if the 49ers lose to the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. I'll shave my eyebrow up. What say you? Right? Uh, no one asked you to. No one like, said to bet anything. No one said to put anything on the line. 
No one's arguing with you. And yet here we are with Bart Scott's eyebrows on the line, your nipples on the line, and Fitz, somebody already lost a finger. All right? Because last night, ESPN Radio's Dave Rothenberg was tweeting throughout the Giants game. It got progressively more and more sad until, unfortunately, he typed out the words, if the Giants lose this game, I'm cutting off a finger. Why? Like okay. nobody asked, man. Nobody no, asked. You know, I'm, first of all, I'm glad I I didn't hear Bart this morning on Get Up. Uh, I I'm glad you played that for me though, because I heard Bart this afternoon on Bart and Han, and he had a great story about adjusting to Peyton Manning. One of the smartest breakdowns I've ever heard from one of our former players on air. I was going to text him, and I forgot. And when you said Bart Scott's name, I thought, you know what? I'm going to text him praise when we get to the commercial. Now I can't do that. I can't do that with a clean conscience because Bart, like you won't be pretty without eyebrows. No. Like if that, if that not doesn't go look. your way, that's not going to be a good look. And they're going to take a long time to grow back in. Right. So you're going to be funny looking for a really long time. going to have to paint him on. It's going to have to paint him on. Like, yeah, it's not going to be good. I mean, I can at least like, I don't have to keep my nipples pierced, right? Like uh, I can, I can pierce the nipples, but then eventually take the piercings out. Right. Like, yes. Okay, yes, there you are, Ari build it. But maybe you should have stopped betting against yourself. And this goes for fair. everyone. So now that I have officially declared Spain and Fitz the official show of record for gas bags and morons gambling against themselves in ways that have not been required or asked of them on sporting events, we need you. Okay, I'm going to post this. I'm going to put it up to remind you. But I would like to have you take it upon yourselves to share with us whenever your local or national radio or television person inexplicably does that. Gets caught up in the moment and puts their nipples, their eyebrows, their fingers, or any of their body parts on the line. I think we should call them pom-poms. Prisoner of the moment. Prisoner of the moment. Nice. Nailed that. Okay, keep that in mind. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, (laughs) represented by Progressive Insurance. Now that we've got that out of the way, I have to ask you an important question. And that is, we were talking about this on Around the Horn today. There are two members of the very big Ravens-Chiefs matchup this weekend that used to play for the other team. Uh, And one of them is Sammy Watkins, who says he doesn't care about snitching. He is 100% going to tell everybody on the Ravens everything he knows about his time with the Chiefs. But on the other hand, I'm now blanking. Orlando Orlando Brown. Brown. Yeah, Orlando Brown. My brain is saying bloom. I'm like, no, not the pirate. (laughs) Orlando Brown. Dashingly good looking (laughs) left tackle. Yeah, really incredibly good looking. Very trim, very slim for a left tackle. I wanted to play left tackle. They didn't have a spot for him. So he left the Ravens (laughs) for the Chiefs. You shan't go there. Exactly. He brandishes a sword, which is illegal, (laughs) but somehow no one's mentioned it. Um, He says that he's not going to snitch, that his loyalty is to the Ravens. Which makes no sense because you're lining up a bunch with a bunch of guys looking for a win, putting their bodies on the line with the Chiefs now. I am Team Snitch. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm Team Snitch all day long. And, and really, I also think it's a little bit about, about who's paying your bill right now. Like, yeah. whatever money you made, and what do we always hear players say that, you know, you're getting paid for what you're doing for that team right now? Well, it doesn't matter what you got paid by the Kansas City Chiefs. If you're getting paid by the Baltimore Ravens at this point, then, you know, you have an obligation to help that team win. And if you, like, if I was a teammate and I thought you were holding back information, I wouldn't see that as loyal. I'd see that as you hurting my shot, especially an 0-1 Baltimore team, yeah. I'd be all sorts of fired up about wanting him to spill anything he could possibly know on a short week that will help them win a game. And listen, it's probably not going to change the tides of the game. Sure. As Monica said very smartly on Around the Horn today, she's had a lot of coaches who have said, listen, 
even if the defense knows what's coming, if your offense is good enough, it won't matter, right? And same goes for whatever they might be able to impart. It's not going to be stuff that they can't see on tape. And if it is, you take that, you put it in your back pocket, and you work with it. But whatever it is, offer it up. See if it makes a difference for the game plan. Not only are they paying your checks, but those are the guys out there with you in your uniform. And Woody Page said, well, but it was so nice of the Ravens to do him a favor and let him go looking for another team because he wanted to play left tackle. Okay, what was also nice was when the Chiefs signed him and then gave him a paycheck and now is playing him. So we're both team snitch, not surprisingly. Um, But we'll ask you guys as well. You can let us know at Spain at Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, if you're on team snitch or team no snitch. Um, I'm also going to put out the proclamation about our new show uh, addendum, uh, our agenda, I should say, so that people can help us out with that. I also wanted to mention, because we're going to be keeping an eye on this during the show tonight, that there is a WNBA doubleheader tonight that is really important as the season dwindles down. September 19th, the last day of the regular season. Now, remember, once this new format took place a couple years ago, seeds five through eight of the playoffs play single elimination first round games. Those winners advance. There's a single elimination second round games against the number three and four seeds. Those winners advance. And then there's a best of five semifinals against the top two seeds. So if you're in the top two in the regular season, you get a double bye. No possible single elimination. So tonight, Washington clinches a playoff spot with a win. New York is eliminated with a loss. L.A. is eliminated with a Washington win. The Aces get that double bye with a win or a Minnesota loss. Phoenix, single bye with a win and a win by either Minnesota or Shy. Seattle clinches a single bye with a win. Minnesota clinches a single bye with a win or a Phoenix loss. So those two games tonight have massive repercussions, including for your Aces fits, who could get that big double bye action. So keep an eye out for those games tonight. Uh, and and we'll be keeping an eye out on them as well. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Coming up, we're going to get into the gambling side of the NFL weekend. Where are we dipping a toe? Where are we putting uh, the contents of our wallet as such, or I guess uh, electronic bank accounts? Coming up next here on Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. As the NFL season gets underway, make sure you're ready for kickoff with TuneIn, the app that lets you listen to live games, in-depth analysis, and tailored content for your team all season long. Plus, with ESPN Radio on TuneIn, you can listen to comprehensive football coverage from NFL Live, Fantasy Football Focus, and more, all to fuel your football fandom. Download the TuneIn app today to start listening everywhere you go. Sarah, obviously, this is a a big weekend. I will admit I'm still a little bit on cloud nine. The Raiders are going to take on the Steelers, but uh, for everybody in our fantasy football league without Josh Jacobs, so that's going to be a bit of a ding. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that has better sort of all uh, freaking out as well as this is just sort of the modern NFL. And for me, it makes it even harder to figure out how to analyze some of this. You know, you and I have always been really open about the fact that we are not gambling experts, right? And so anything that we're doing is dabbling. And the, the hardest part of the dabble is when to know, you know, at what point you feel safe putting any money on because it feels like now more than ever between injuries and COVID and illness and everything else that can come up, it just becomes really difficult to justify putting early money in on any game because so much can change. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I remember last year, I think, or earlier this year, I guess, God, I can't believe that was 2021, but I, I remember I mentioned this to you. My, I knew I was going to be home for the Super Bowl for the first time in years. No big party, 
wasn't going to be on location. It was me, me and my dogs and my husband. My husband notoriously falls asleep during anything and everything. Just like can't sit in front of a television without falling asleep. So I'm like, man, I'm going to watch a Super Bowl by myself and eat 18 servings of like five layer dip alone. And that's going to be so depressing. I need to add some excitement. So I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to start gambling. And then I'm like, I don't know how. So I basically <laughs> messaged Joe Fortenbaugh and I was like, hey, um, where do I sign up? And then how do I make bets? And one of the biggest questions I had for him was like, if I put a bet in and someone gets hurt and the bet is specific to them, does it count? What if I put it in and then a bunch of stuff changes? And like I was asking him, when do I make these? And when do I decide when to pull the trigger? Because, you know, th- the line may change. All those things may change. So it's like. It's very overwhelming, I find. And I'm I'm planning on trying to incorporate some content on my social media and stuff where I talk about like how to get involved because I think there's a lot of people like me who kind of were letting everybody else gamble and now that it's like forefront of the industry, we're like, Oh man, we gotta figure out what like the spread is and over unders and like you know, how much money do you make? And is it the money line or, you know, all that stuff? We got we to gotta learn. You're not wrong, especially when you look at the numbers. I mean, we saw a record amount of betting on the NFL last weekend. And I think that's a lot of people doing exactly what you're talking about. And, you know, in states where it is legal, the first time that you go into a dispensary, a marijuana dispensary, is really intimidating for a lot of people. Like, you feel like you're going to be judged. You feel like it's going to be really weird. You don't know what to expect. Like, this has all been so taboo for so long, and it's like this weird adjustment for a lot of people. I I think it's very similar, even though app design makes it so easy to just go in and say, I'm going to bet some money. It's weird. It's different when you look at it and you say, wait, this, okay, so this is all legal on the square. It's on the up and up. Now I've got everything in the app and I've got money there, but what am I betting on and what's a smart bet? And, you know, I've seen a few people talk about this today on Twitter, but it feels like there's a lot of people out there that, that talk about gambling, but you never really know. Like, you don't know where to start and you don't know how to start. So I think it, it becomes really intimidating. And, and when you, especially when you start getting into prop bets, because Prop bets are such an easy way to say, well, I'll just put a little over here and a little over there. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you realize that you just bet a lot of money on a lot of different things. And I don't even know what pays out right, in the right that makes it right. makes it make any sense. That's that's one key that you need to know is how much money am I putting on something that it pays off where it's worth it, right? Because there are prop bets that are usually – the payoff's not that big, especially for anything that is that can be predicted in any way. And so you have to make sure like whatever you're you're betting on – Especially something as simple as, and this is something I, of course, knew that if you're betting on an underdog, the payoff is more. But there are certain times you're betting on a favorite. The amount of money you're going to make if they win is so nothing compared to how much you've now spent if they happen to lose. <laughs> really, You really have to be that sincere in your belief that that favorite's going to take it. And is it even really worth it? Um, when when the payoff is that low, you know. And, and where were all of these people when I was in high school with math? Like because it feels like betters are great with math, and I'm <laughs> amazing like amazing with math. Where, where not were, my jam. Like all of these people were were not in my school, and it's funny because you know having recently the been same out, guy Fitz, he just got a leather jacket. <laughs> he took his glasses off. He put a leather jacket on, and he came into some money, yeah, and he's so he's got some hair product now. Yeah, oh man, that's <laughs> same you know, guy. But the funny thing is, I was in Vegas obviously for the Raiders game, and if you walk by a roulette table, uh, you'll see certain people that have played with a tremendous strategy. You'll also see people that are putting out so much money on the table that even if they win, they're going to actually lose every hand. And I'm sitting there doing the math like quickly, and right. I'm not a math whiz, but I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, if you put that much money out, even if you hit on one of these little bets, 
you ain't going to make any money. And, and then I'm watching people that just walk up and just throw down thousands of dollars on one spin of a roulette wheel. And I'm thinking like, where, like, what do you do for a living? Yeah. I want to sit yeah. down and talk to you because like, I've obviously yeah. done something wrong well, with my life. Okay, so speaking of that, we're headed to Vegas together. It's yeah. Spain and Fitz, by the way. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, guest joining us on the Goodyear Hotline. We're headed to Vegas for Bears Raiders in a couple weeks. And I need to know what's your style. Are you are you going to sit down and play? Because my husband's game is blackjack and my <laughs> game is craps. But neither of us play often or a lot. But when we are when we have the occasion to be near a table, we'll have a go. Um, and then you and I are potentially also going to go to that really amazing looking sports bar pool yeah. sports book circa. So we're going to put some sports bets down. So, like, I need to get a feel for your vibe. Are you a bad yeah. loser? Are you going to put $10 down the whole night? What's your plan? No. So my thing is, like, to me, the cost of when you go to Vegas, if you're going to gamble, it's the cost of, like, going to a show to me. Like, so the whatever money, yes. like, it's gone. So the money's gone when I start. Uh, I do <laughs> actually, approach. I, I like to play roulette. I actually have a good time with roulette. Roulette? Uh, the, yeah. The, the funny thing is, what? like. I know. Uh, but with both my parents working in the casino business when I was little, my dad, much like I've said, I've told the story before, he always beat me in three moves in chess to figure stuff out. My, my dad is a math whiz or, or was a, a math whiz. And so he'll walk by a craps table and just start spitting out odds. And it's so intimidating to me because I'm like, I don't know. You just roll the dice. So I don't understand craps at all. And with blackjack, I take one of those little cards because you're allowed to put them on the table that right. tells me if I should hit or not. But they're so little and it takes me a minute to process. So uh, I make the rest of the table very angry as I sit there. I'm like, well, okay, go with uh, Brad because, like I said, he doesn't play a lot, but he does know the rules of like, okay, you always double down here. You always hit here. You always do whatever. And as for craps, the reason you don't know how to play is because you're not a lady. Because the only reason I know how to play is because years ago, when I still got it, I walked by a table and I just did the, oh my God, craps look so fun. I don't know how to play. I didn't say it like that, but that's how I remember it in my head because, of course, a gentleman, gentleman turned around from the table. Come on over, ladies. I'll teach you how to play. Here's $50. And I was like, thank you. And then I managed to make people a bunch of money and I you know, blew on the dice and threw them and giggled and made everybody money. Then they started giving me parts of their money because I was making their stacks bigger and bigger, even though I was only playing the pass, don't pass line. And that's how I fell in love with craps because everyone at the table wants the same thing, unless you're one of those jerks that's playing, you know, sevens or whatever. And, and then you get to play for a really long time without spending a lot of money. Like you could stay in it with like the pass, don't pass and maybe a button number or two and be at the table for a while. So that's why that's my game. I like when everyone's together, when you're cheering each other on. I don't like the quiet silence of a blackjack table. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And that's why, kind of, for me, the surprise, in between surprise. has been like. I don't like the quiet places. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's kind of why I like the roulette thing because it's, it's sort of communal yeah. and everybody's standing around. And for me, I don't really have any strategy other than to play the numbers that I, I feel like well, playing the, that day. I mean, Fitz, I just I want to break something to you. There's no strategy in roulette. Yeah, well, just, you know. The, no, it's. There's like be, there's betting then, strategies for some okay, people. You know they what? get really it's you know not, they get really fired up like, about it. Like there's like a lucky machine or like. But I you know I I will like for me the one thing I don't do is accidentally gamble in Vegas. Like I'm very intentional. Like all right, you want to go gamble on Saturday afternoon? Let's do that. Like that's that it's a planned thing for me because I have had too many times in my life where you just have money in your pocket and then five hours later you don't have money in your pocket. Yeah, you gotta like, set. I set a limit before I start. Yeah, that, I say oh, this definitely. is the amount of money that I am willing to spend, and that's it. Yeah, but sometimes I, I leave with more. 
sometimes I'm like, that was an excellent use of a couple hours. But I have become <laughs> that person that would rather spend that money on David Copperfield than on a table most of That's the time. not at all. Yeah, well, not at all surprising. That, 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 yeah, I'm cheap. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average, which they can then use at the tables. Call or click today. Find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Coming up, a historic season you probably know nothing about. And why do the Yankees keep losing to one team? It's really made me mad. I'm not even a baseball guy, and this has me ticked off. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. While you're on, Stosh, I want to I give you some props. I was gone last Friday, but I was told that when you guys did a little one to watch for for the weekend, what's the biggest game of the weekend, instead of any of the football or anything else, you said you wanted to watch that weekend series. And Royals people kind of thought, really, the Royals and Twins? And you knew what you were watching for. Salvador Perez passing Donnie Bench. It was the only thing I'm, I mean, obviously, besides the Chiefs game, of course, but yes. Salvi, 45 home runs tying Johnny Bench. That was the one thing on my mind this weekend. He is having a historic season, and nobody knows about it. Because the Royals stink. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, but but it wasn't a seven to two loss. To be fair, <laughs> I mean that is fair. Well, that too. <laughs> but and, and by the way, Salvador Perez of the Royals had to to uh, get number get in the zone. Get in the zone. Brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Stosh, give me context on it because I always think it's interesting. Not only talking to baseball guys, but also baseball fanatics. Right? This is a team you love, and this is a player you love watching. Like in a year where we've seen so many things that have been, hey, this is once in a lifetime, this is once in a generation, this is once every few years. What is this? This, I mean, this is this is the light for us this year, first of all, because again, this is a team that's rebuilding. Uh, the glory days are gone. 2015, 2014, those days are over. Uh, but Salvi has been the one constant since that time. So he is the light that uh, that all of us Royals homers uh, just yeah. just keep staring at um, <laughs> to get you through it. Hey, yeah, Stash, to... don't go to the light, okay? None, the it's going to be okay. Don't go to the light. <laughs> he is, I know it's dark, but <laughs> yes, he is what numbs um, the pain. Uh, Fitz, just a couple notes on that. So yeah, he ties Johnny Bench for uh, homers in a season by a catcher with that number forty-five. That's from nineteen seventy. Most for a player who played at least seventy-five percent of his team games at catcher. He's also tied with Vlad Jr. for the major league lead in homers. Also leads the bigs with one hundred and twelve RBIs. Also three homers away from Jorge Soler's team record from twenty nineteen. And he uh, also tied Mike Sweeney for second on the all-time list with 197 home runs. Uh, George Brett is running away with that one at 317. He won't be touched for a little while. But all of those things kind of point you to just what this meant. But those statistics, at least in the moment, probably pale in what Stash was saying. Just something to be excited about with a team like that. Um, And you got to find those moments. For instance, I don't know, if you're the Orioles (laughs) And you also <laughs> need to find some moments to get excited about when you're 47 and 99. And some of those moments are continuing to beat the Yankees, which has you absolutely confounded. Yeah, I, I just can't make sense of this because, and again, like every time we talk to baseball experts, what I hear is like, 
oh, you know, some teams just don't match up well, or that's the beauty of baseball. No, this is a trash <laughs> team that's losing to a very, or that's beating a very good team. And I know the Yankees have had their issues this year, and I understand that uh, the Yankees have had, at times, a very disappointing season. But you can't make sense, in my mind, of a team that we're sitting here saying, why aren't you better? And then they're turning around getting beat by the O's all the time. Like, I saw JT the Brick the other day, and I was talking to JT. Like, that guy lives, eats, and breathes all things Yankees. And I was like, man, sorry about the Yankee season and you could see the color in his face change and he's like the Orioles that's all he had to say I just I don't understand how this (laughs) continually happens well we're gonna ask some people who are less qualified because the most qualified are giving you a shrug and that's (laughs) we were talking baseball around the horn today and it was it was about a, a weekend series we could get into it if we have time here but my answer that I wanted was just can't predict baseball like that's what that's what I always want to say because what always ends up happening is you look at all right these pitching matchups this should go the way of this team all right this team's been good all year they're playing for something they're playing for nothing this team sucks this team's good and then at the end you're like well what happened I don't know baseball that's what happens every time so instead of asking the experts we're gonna ask all of you at Spain and Fitz at Jason Fitz at Sarah Spain because the experts are giving us only shrugs we want you to tell Jason Fitz why do the Yankees keep losing to the Orioles Wrong answers only. Go. Okay. So that is on uh that is on Twitter. Uh so far, uh we've got Orioles payroll. Great answer. Oh, nice. Uh the ghost of Billy Ripkin's Fleer card. <laughs> because the Orioles are a great team. I took that one honestly at first and I felt sorry for him, and then I realized I did say wrong answers only. So that is correct, because it's wrong. Uh keep those coming. So uh, Sarah, let me give you this nugget. The Yankees now, because of their loss last night are a half a game out of the wild card spot, right? So they're half a game back, and they have now finished their season series with the Orioles. The Orioles went 8-11 and, uh, and 11 this year against the Yankees. That's the most wins that they had against any team in all of Major League Baseball. <laughs> How did the Orioles beat the Yankees eight damn times? Somebody explain it to me. I know. It's absolutely wild. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Let us know on the Twitter feed uh, your reason for that. Two more quick baseball stories. The The... Um, uh, matchup is the word I'm looking for. Thanks, Brain. Uh, that I was talking about in Around the Horn today was Cardinals Padres. And you're talking about that, the wild card races. And it's really difficult to predict anyway, but it's especially difficult because you could predict a specific series and it could go the way you expected. But with about four or five series left for each team, there's enough room for massive swings. Because right now, for instance, in the AL, you've got Toronto and Boston with the t- with the two wild card spots as of now. But the Yankees, like you said, half game back. Oakland is three games. If some team really eats it, they're still in it. You've got the Mariners at four games back. Then on the NL side, you've got the Dodgers and St. Louis leading the way. But St. Louis is only a half game up on San Diego, only one game up on Cincinnati, only two and a half up on Philadelphia. And you've got San Diego and St. Louis starting a series. So... As you're watching all this and you're trying to pinpoint where you can find, you know, a strength or something for one team or the other, it's going to be, like I always say, can't predict baseball. There are two pitchers starting for the Padres in this series against the Cardinals that have been cut from other teams, Velasquez and Arietta, that are now starting this very important series and are not playing well. You've got a Padres team that's 22 and 30 since the since the All Star game, and a Cardinals team that's 32 and 23. They're going opposite directions, and guess what? Padres probably gonna win the thing because who knows? Fitz, it's so frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating, but it's also beautiful. Like you're absolutely right. right. Makes the, it interesting. The one thing that I would say, and this has sort of been one of the 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 talking points for us in the college football world too over the last couple of weeks, is that. 
We can look at this chaos and say it's maddening, or we can look at this chaos and say finally, and everything doesn't feel like it's already laid out for yes, the entire for world. Sure. You know, so well. What's really frustrating and truly frustrating, and there is no upside to it, is that Starling Marte, if he finishes the season mm. with the best batting average in the league, it becomes the hitting leader. It doesn't matter because it doesn't count. Because that's a really old antiquated rule in baseball that you have to acquire at least 502 at-bats, I think is the number, in either the AL or the NL in order to qualify. And because he got traded from one league to another midseason, even if he finishes... He will not be the hitting champion. It is such a dumb rule. I thought only the unwritten rules of baseball could make me this angry, but it turns out the written down ones do too. That is uh, the the amount of stupidity in that process. Like at some point, can't everybody just come together, even if they didn't before this, in this moment, come together and say, "Hey, we found this rule. It's dumb, and we should fix it." Like right, right now. I mean, if, I, and the thing is, Starling Marte, if he finishes, his statistics are going to be there. Everyone's going to know. But getting that batting title means something. Having those awards, being recognized, means something. Now, of course, there are definitely people like Vlad Jr. and Trey Turner who could pass him by. But right now, he enters Friday four points ahead of those guys, and he's ineligible to win the batting title because, and he he's qualified overall. He's had at least 3.1 plate appearances per team game, but he hasn't gotten 502 in either league because of that trade. And that's just BS to me. So, I don't know, maybe Spain and Fitz, if he wins it and doesn't win it, we'll, we'll make a send trophy him, out yeah, of tinfoil. We'll tin send him a, a shirt or we'll something. We'll send a special tinfoil trophy <laughs> in a Spain and Fitz shirt. That'll make him feel much better. By I the way, uh, news from Spain and Fitz Nation. We got hit up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed by Chuck Wall, who says the reason is the Yankees remain convinced that the Oriole is on the endangered species list. <laughs> that checks out. Like they don't want to add to that. They don't want to add to that massacre. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about the weekend in the NFL the way we like to with a little bit of quickies. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, happy Friday. You got Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We're going to get back to some of your thoughts on the uh, on the Twitter feed about why the Orioles keep beating the Yankees. You guys have some good ones. We'll get to that in a little bit. But it is time to unveil a brand new segment here on Spain and Fitz. It is Fitz's <laughs> Little Bits! That's right. Fitz's Little Bits, our resident college football expert, can be found all over the media landscape talking college football. Fitz, tell them where they can find you. By the way, if you missed it today, College Football Live will be replaying all day on ESPN2, plus the the kickoff, a new show that I do presented by Rams, so you can check that out on Fridays. And then Saturday night, I hang out with Harry Douglas from 7 to 8 p.m. and from 11 to 11.30 p.m. for the College Football Show and the College Football Wrap-Up. Let's go! Grab your Harry Douglas and your little bits and make sure you check those out. All right, let's talk about this weekend, Fitz. I want to hear about your top college football matchups of the week. Where are we starting? Uh, well, I might start by looking for a new job after the way this segment's <laughs> going so far. All right. Uh, first and foremost game everybody's paying attention to. Number one, Alabama. And number 11, Florida. This game is not even going to be a game, Sarah. I think it's going to be an absolute slaughter, and that's unfortunate because before the season, I thought this might be one of those times to trip up Alabama, but some facts that we've seen so far. By the way, Alabama hasn't been able to even be competitive 
with uh, or Florida hasn't been able to be even competitive with Alabama in a very long time. And ever since team Tim Tebow left, it's been even worse. They have been absolutely dominated even at home. The Gators haven't won a game against the Crimson Tide since the 2008 SEC championship game. It goes back that far. And in the process, it hasn't even been close. So unfortunately, even though Florida's number 11, and even though it's in the swamp, the one thing I thought is maybe it would take Alabama a little bit more time to get good. It has not, and as a result, I could legitimately see Alabama win this game by 30 points. It pains me to Ooh. say it. I thought, I thought before the season Florida might be able to pull the upset, but now, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with the, the tide and the points. How do you like that? Steve Spurrier is still going for the upset. He said on Paul Feinbaum's show today that he said there is a chance. He is predicting the Gators, but he's not going to bet on it. Okay, so he's edging his bets here. But he said that the secret to success is literally be perfect. No <laughs> stupid, careless turnovers. Make them earn their points. Stay on the field. Dominate the ball. Move the ball. You know, don't go run run a couple times and punt and then look up and suddenly they put a bunch of points on you. So he's expecting, I don't know if I'd say he's expecting them to win. He's picking them, probably out of uh feeling required to and uh, says they got to play perfect to get that win yeah I asked I asked him on college football live how do you beat Alabama and everybody said outscore them oh okay Okay, that's cool yeah Yeah, yeah, that's super easy yeah just score more points than them it's Fitz's little bits what's the next game (laughs) number 22 Auburn at number 10 Penn State game day is going to be there tomorrow morning and it is the whiteout game that they do it's a magical environment I was there with game day a couple of years ago one of the most incredible things I've ever witnessed in the sports world in person but I'm afraid unfortunately if we're looking for a great game it doesn't look like we'll necessarily get one and this all comes down to Bo Nix the quarterback of Auburn who is 12 and 2 at home with a 20 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio at home on the road Five and seven, 13 and 12 on that touchdown interception ratio. Mm. He is not good on the road. And the problem here is Trevor Maddich broke down brilliantly on uh, on SportsCenter is that Penn State has done a fantastic job of disguising their defenses. Bo Nix gets in his own head on the road and he presses too hard. When he does that against Penn State, it's going to result in turnovers. I think this is going to be a little bit closer game, but I think Penn State wins and wins uh, comfortably. Interesting one to follow on this is there are all the rumors about USC and you you try to imagine that coaches who are caught up in that rumor mill will not be distracted by that. But worth noting that James Franklin has been rumored around the USC job since 2018. He had to respond to it in 2018. He had to respond to it in 2019. He had to respond to it this week. And in 2019, when he said he wouldn't be distracted and he wasn't thinking about that job, they lost to Minnesota that very week. Those rumors came out. So maybe you never know if there's a distraction there for Franklin and Penn State. All right, it's Fitz's Little Fitz. What's the next game? Number eight, Cincinnati at Indiana. So Indiana not ranked, and that's significant here, Sarah, because everybody keeps talking about Cincinnati and their path to the college football playoff. If they go undefeated, they'll get in. Well, that leans heavily on the fact that they had this game against Indiana and they have Notre Dame coming up in a couple of weeks. So the theory is if they go undefeated and they beat those teams, that's such a great resume, they'll get in. The problem is Indiana hasn't looked very good this year. So now Cincinnati's playing at Indiana, but I'm not sure that that's really that much of a landmark game. So two things have to happen. Cincinnati has to absolutely roll, and I believe that they have the offensive firepower to do it. But then after that, Indiana's got to put it together and start playing better football so that there is some element of, okay, they beat a good Indiana team. We haven't seen that so far. 
Shout out to my guy, Dylan McCullough. Hopefully he can get that run game going. Also, shout out to whoever makes Indiana's jerseys. I believe there was a perfect record last week of everybody's jersey saying Indiana instead of Indiana or whatever it says. One step at a time. One. It's Fitz's Little Fitz. It's Spain and Fitz. There's Spain, Jason Fitz. What's the next game? Michigan State at number 24, Miami. I'm picking an upset. Let's go, Sparty. Look, I know this is a surprising one. I thought Michigan State was going to be woeful coming into this year, but they did what a lot of programs do now. They dipped into the transfer portal. They recharged their entire talent. They finally found a quarterback that can actually throw the football competently through this entire process. And in the process of doing that, they've looked much better. They beat Northwestern week one, which a lot of people were surprised about. They beat a cupcake last week. But now they get Miami. In Miami, Miami barely ranked uh, after getting shellacked by Alabama week one. But Miami's still a respected team. So uh, I'm I'm looking at this saying, you know what? If if Michigan State gets this win, Michigan State will be ranked. Michigan State will get all sorts of love. And we're going to have to turn around and say, maybe we underestimated the new coaching staff and their ability to bring in talent. I think Sparty's going to pull off a big upset. We were too high on Miami coming in. And in the meantime, we're going to have to turn around and say, Mel Tucker's got things rolling for Michigan State. A good chance for them to be a little bit better. Spartans, 80 points in their first two games. It's the most to start the season in two-game span since 2007. Second in the Big Ten, 26th in FBS in scoring offense, averaging 40 points a game. Can they do it again in the land of hanging chads and hanging cats? Oh uh, get it? the, wow. It's Fitz's Little Bits. What's the last game? Let's get one more in with some late night Number low. 19, Arizona State. At number 23, BYU. I mean, we got to finish little bits with some late night love. Uh, and, and this is all about <laughs> Only West if you're Coast. lucky. People got to be desperate when the little bits get the late night love. <laughs> it's the end of the night. It's the best you can get. Uh, Arizona State taking on BYU. And these are two teams uh, that both come in on a four-game win streak. The Sun Devils' four-game win streak is on the heels of them starting 0-2 last year. They're longest in the last five seasons. But... BYU, 13-1 and since the start of last year, and all they do is scheme their way to win. I, I, I'm really impressed. BYU changes quarterbacks, obviously. Zach Wilson is now in the NFL, and they really haven't missed a beat. They've got a different style this year with a quarterback that can run and throw, uh, but realistically, I think it's, it's special to watch what BYU is doing. I think they have the chance at an upset, but realistically, also 10-15 Eastern, late-night football that's actually worth watching should be a fun game. Yeah, and Definitely interesting to watch the quarterbacks. Neither quarterback has reached 200 passing yards in a game this season, but they've contributed to the run game. And both of these teams, two top 50 teams in rushing offense. So a lot of the ground game to try to establish something early. And again, you want to see which of those quarterbacks is going to shine. This was the debut of Fitz's Little Bits. College football's back. Tune in tomorrow as Washington State hosts USC. Presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Coming up, a two-time Pro Bowler stops by. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We are driven to get all sorts of NFL expertise, and we love to do it from great former players. So we'll head over to the Goodyear Hotline, where we are joined by former NFL tight end uh, Julius Thomas joining us there. Julius, thanks for the time, man. We really appreciate you coming on with us on a Friday night. I have to start as a lifelong diehard Raiders fan for, uh, by apologizing for everything that I said to you when you played for the Broncos every Sunday that you destroyed my hopes and dreams. But we still appreciate uh, <laughs> you coming on and hanging out with us. Uh, first and foremost, you got a psychology degree. Like, what, what was that transition like? It's impressive to leave playing and then go out and do that. What was that transition like for you as a, as a person? Yeah, well, you know, um, number one, I appreciate you guys having me on. 
Thank you. And um, you're forgiven for all those things you said about me <laughs> because you. I grew up a Raider fan. Oh, my I know. Dad, my grandpa, a long-term Raider fan. So I, I know how Raider fans are, and it's all love. Um, you know, still working on the doctorate in psychology, it's, um, it's been a major transition, you know, going from um, being an athlete my whole life to now seeing people um, that really, you know, they, they need help. Um, and, and really giving my best to try to help them. It, it's been a great experience. I feel blessed to to now be able to kind of be in, in a helping profession. Um, but it, it takes the same components, you know, to get better as it does to stay great. And um, that's, what, that's what I love about it is just saying, hey, how do we take where we are now and get to where you want to be? I love that. I think life should be a constant journey and always wanting to learn more and understand more. And I think that's really cool that you're doing that. And you're doing that in part to study brain trauma, right? And be able to better understand CTE and the crisis of people like you coming out of football. Well, absolutely. Um, You know, we understand that contact sports, you know, there's some associations with, you know, long-term, you know, health potential consequences. And, you know, one thing that it's really helped me out is understanding that it's not everybody, you know, there's this kind of, fear cloud that has been hanging over football because people like to associate football with CTE or, you know, long-term cognitive decline. And there are some of our, our former players that have those, those symptoms and, and we feel for them, but um, you know, the majority, uh, they don't have to face that. And so kind of starting to learn the actual facts and seeing, you know, Hey, what are the risks and you know how often is this happening to people and being able to communicate that to former players, I think is powerful. And, um, I enjoy that aspect of it as well. We're talking to former NFL tight end Julius Thomas, Spade and Fitz, Sarah Spade and Jason Fitz. So, you know, I am always try to get a reasonable sense from players about when it's okay to react because it, we're only a couple of weeks into the season, obviously, or going into week two. But it feels like we just want to overreact to everything. So when you're watching early season football, how long does it take in your mind for a team to really gel together? Man, you know what? I'm glad you asked me that question because – when I'm sitting down and I'm at the gym or I'm hanging out and, and I hear everybody talking about, you know, what's this mean for this team? You know, what's that loss mean? What's the performance they had on defense or the struggles they had offensively, whether it was picking up blitzes or protecting the uh, quarterback. And I would say, Hey, you know, relax a little bit. You really want to wait till about week four. And, um, you know, when you're inside these locker rooms and you're in these meeting rooms, they always talk about the season in quarters. And you really got to win the third and fourth quarter of the season. This first four weeks, you know, some of the best minds in football got to come up with some really creative things. And it's a surprise. When you play a team in week one, you're you're really um, preparing for them off last season's tape. So what they're doing this season, their personnel changes, that fantastic athlete they drafted. Okay, how do we deal with them? That stuff becomes more clear after about week four when you start to get a better idea of their tendencies, the formations they like to run, the defenses. So at, at week four, you're really going to see, okay, which teams are poised to do well throughout the rest of the season and which ones, you know, don't look like they're going to have it this year. Talking to former NFL tight end Julius Thomas, who's a two-time Pro Bowler. He's with us here on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. With that in mind, we did hear on the gambling side of things that week two is often the one where people go way too far in the direction of what they saw from a team in week one and it hasn't really settled out yet. Is there a specific game or even team that you're most intrigued to see this week to see if what you saw last week was the real deal or not? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I watched the uh, – 
Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers co-added last week in Buffalo. And, you know, I think that um, Josh Allen and that offense, they, they had a little bit uh, tougher outing than I expected. Um, you know, kudos to the coordinator, you know, for showing confidence in the offense and going forward on fourth down and, you know, really trying to show them that um, they're, they're behind them in that group. Um, so I'm really, really excited to see how they're going to bounce back, you know, down here in South Florida where I live now. Uh, and going up against the Dolphins, coming off of a win. So um, I'm really anxious to see how Josh Allen responds. Um, you know, it's difficult sometimes for a player at his uh, point in his career. You know, you get a lot of the excitement about what you've been able to do currently and um, seeing how he's going to lead his team out there after starting off uh, with a loss. Julius, you played for three teams, the Broncos, the Jags, the Dolphins, and so you know about changing teams and trying to find your footing. Jameis Winston, uh, somebody that uh, had a year to sort of sit and learn, and now we see one game from him, and it was a spectacular game. But when you're adjusting to a new team, uh, sort of walk me through that process and what it takes to really be successful in the new environment. Man, um, I think that's something that people often overlook um, as a challenge for, for professional football players is whether you're adjusting to a new team or you've got a new coordinator, and they come in with a new system, new set of calls, um, you know, Jameis is able to have a great game. And I think that um, when you're able to work with somebody like Sean Payton, you can really start to see the effect that they can have on a, um, on a quarterback. So having that year to sit in the, the meeting room, learn from Breeze, understand that system, um, I think that um, he's going to continue to do well throughout the season as long as um, you, know, you really stay disciplined. Yeah, absolutely. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to former NFL tight end Julius Thomas, who has since started doing incredible work studying the brain and CTE and trying to get a PhD in psychology. So let's talk about the psychology of going into week two, needing a win if you are Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The NFC North is over. Nobody won. So you're not that far behind, even if you lose again. But if you lose to a divisional rival in the Lions that everyone expects you to beat, how much stress is on Aaron Rodgers and that Packers team? Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's, it's kind of hard to even think about, you know, Aaron Rodgers uh, starting a season off 0-2. Um, right. And his body of work, uh, the, the talent that he has, um, you know, you expect that to just come good eventually. Um, but, you know, I think that that would be really difficult for their team. Uh, just with the off season and a lot of the the – media attention and uh, really focus on their franchise and the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and the franchise, that's when that stuff starts coming back up. And, you know, it's always easy to say block out the noise, block out the noise, but these are human beings and they don't just live in that locker room and in that facility. So if that stuff starts to come back up and you start to question, you know, what are the relationships and some of those personal dynamics between, you know, a franchise quarterback and a team, you know, that can come, become distracting. It can be hard for the players to manage. You mentioned block out the noise. When you've got Ravens, Chiefs, the Ravens just can't seem to beat the Chiefs. Real talk in the locker room, does that creep into anybody's mind? You know what? I, I think that would be tough to say. Um, players, they really focus one day, one game at a time. You know, you may have a division rival that you really struggled to, to have success against for years at a time, we know how football is on any day. It doesn't have to be a better team even. You just got to have a better 60 minutes. And if you're able to do that, 
you could beat one of the best teams in the league, even if that's a team that you've struggled with against in the past. But, you know, I think it's it's just so hard, you know, to to bet against the Chiefs. I mean, the, the continuity they have, um, the relationships between the, the, the individuals on that team and the level of success that they've been able to kind of really attain and maintain over the last couple of years. Um, you know, the Chiefs are a team that when I'm sitting and watching football, and I, okay, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, you know, I, I'm expecting them to win, to be honest. That doesn't make me feel any better about every single Sunday. Now, Julie, we started off well, and now all of a sudden I'm right back in the spiral. Uh, man, we appreciate your insights. We appreciate your time. Keep doing great work. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Julie. Yep, thank you for having me on. You guys uh, have a good one. And, um, hey, it's hard. You know, the Chiefs, they're, they're playing great. I know, I know. You know, it's just I've, I've learned to accept it. It's why I drink on Sundays. Uh, Julie, is great stuff from him. <laughs> and every other day. Uh, and every, that, that's fair. You know, like, that's, you're right, Sarah. I always say that's why I drink on Sundays. But then we realize, like, Monday I'm still kind of blue about yeah. it. And then Tuesday I'm still getting over it. Wednesday I'm having, like, Start the party. Start thinking about the yeah, next matchup. That's what yeah. happens. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, speaking of the, the Raiders and really everybody else, it's time to pick some games. We will get you our picks coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app at Sirius XM, Channel 80. Tune in for a football doubleheader Sunday, 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 as the Raiders battle the Steelers, followed by the Falcons at Bucks. Coverage begins at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I don't know why I still have this much energy. All this in drug free. Uh, Sarah Spain, you and I Jason. Done a combined <laughs> eleventeen shows today. So yeah. I think it's a punch drunk deliriousness. Uh, and looking forward to whatever beverage is going to hit those lips in about fourteen minutes. Yeah, it was a Spain and Fitz ESPN takeover uh, throughout yeah, the was. course of the day, yeah, which uh, which we like. Now that was good. I'm not sure that everything has gone as well though for us because on Fridays we like to make picks. This is how it went last week. Let's go! I picked the Bucks over the Cowboys. Good for you. I'm taking the Jags over the Texans. My theme this year is picking against the Texans every week. I must have pressed the wrong button. I've got the 49ers over the Lions. On your best day, you're not as smart as I am on my worst day. Mm. The Raiders get the win. I'm wow. picking with my heart. Just win, baby. I'm going to go ahead and take the Rams over the Bears. Success. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think the Bills are going to roll. Steelers. You must think I'm pretty stupid. I've got the Packers beating the Saints. Well, it's terrible. I think Iowa's going to pull it off and beat Iowa State. You're a very smart guy. You're compelling. I've got the Titans over the Cardinals. That stinks. Three and two for both of us. All right, three and two. I feel I feel pretty good. I feel overall three and two puts us ahead. So that means it's time again for Five Pick Friday. Giving you the picks that matter. I tell you, I think the Raiders are going to win this game. They're going to win a high-scoring affair. And we're not talking Andy Dalton and Derek Carr picks. Try to wrap your head around that. Wow. Time for Five Pick Friday on wow. Spain and Fitz. I am shook. Wow. Wow. Did I, I just sh- miss that last time, or is that a new element? Because that was cold-blooded. Just slipped that right under our noses. That was there all along. I, wow, I missed I, that the first time. Woo, I don't know Ouch. how it's not- Former producer Stosh yeah. uh, did a great job on the production. Don't there. pick up yeah. your check on the way out. Both of us look. I mean, the, the look of shock and awe. I, I'm in studio, so I got to look right at the glass, <laughs> and he just gave me that sheepish, you know, the eyes smiling. Uh. You could see it over the mask. All right. So, Sarah, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pick five games each. Now, the rules for anybody that doesn't know, we always pick our favorite teams. That's basically it. We can go anything anywhere else, and it is straight up. So, ladies first, Sarah, I would like to give you the floor. 
I'm going to rip off the Band-Aid with the pick that I feel the least good about, but I feel compelled to make. Because we have to pick our own teams one way or another, I accurately picked the Bears losing to the Rams last week. I didn't think it would be as ugly as it was. Out of pure trying to keep my soul afloat and prevent the darkness from taking over my corporeal being, I'm going to pick the Bears over the Bengals because I can't live in a world where the Bears are 0-2 because they lost to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I respect Joe Burrow. I like him. I just don't think that team should be beating us right now, even though everything is pointing to the fact that we don't have a great offense or defense and we should lose. But I'm picking the Bears anyway. I, you know, Look, I, I actually really like that pick for you. I'm not Thank making you. that pick, but Thank I really you. like I that pick. I wouldn't make it either. While, yeah, while we're ripping the Band-Aid <laughs> off, now, I picked with my heart last week, and everybody knows I thought the Ravens were going to beat the Raiders. I can't take any great credit. I just let the, the moment get the best of me, and I got lucky. Uh, this week, obviously, I have to pick the Raiders game. They are in Pittsburgh. I'm picking the Steelers, and it, it hurts oh. my heart. But oh. the fact is, it's a short week. you got to travel east. It's an early kickoff. There's no Josh Jacobs. The offensive line mm-hmm. is very banged up. They lost one of their better defensive linemen in the middle. And, you know, even talking to some of the people here that I respect the heck out of that watched the film on the game, the number of texts I got that said, hey, that secondary got away with some things. I'm not sure they'll be able to get away with as much against the Steelers' offense. So, unfortunately, I wish I could pick the Raiders here. but. I, I feel like Pittsburgh's going to win that game. That was game. a very grown-up pick of you. Well, thank you It wasn't very easy, much, but you know, it was very grown-up. And I, they'll probably win now, and you'll feel terrible about I, it's it. Win, but no, I, I'd never, <laughs> I, I'm happy being wrong on that one all day long. Oh, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're doing our five-pick Friday. The second pick I'm making is one that uh, is surprising. I am taking the only winner from the AFC South, and I am selecting them to lose to a team that had a great start and then blew it. And lost week one in the Browns. But I think the Browns are going to handily defeat the Texans and get themselves back on track. Yeah, well, you know what? We agree on that pick. I also have the Browns over the Texans. And look, this is as much about the Texans as anything. Now, I know we were wrong week one about the Texans. And hey, give them credit for getting that win. But if the Browns lose to the Texans, then we are going to be in full crisis management at ESPN by Monday morning. Like the overreactions, you can just sit back and uh, put your feet up and and wait for Stephen ADL about it because that's the one (laughs) thing we know will be happening there. I'll uh, I'll stick with the uh, another team that we have been usually uh, picking against uh, for one of my picks here. The Broncos are going to beat the Jags. I know the Jags, you know, obviously had a forgettable week one and the Broncos, uh, I think, are going to be end up being a pretty good football team. That's less about the Broncos, more about the Jags. I'm taking them there. Yeah, you know how last year I suggested I had a great strategy and then you stole it, which was whoever's playing the Jets I'm taking? Mm -hmm. That's going to be the Jags for now. Uh, It was going to be the Texans, and then the Texans somehow beat the brakes off Jacksonville, which then replaced them, and now the very basement of the league is Jacksonville. I won't always pick Texans to lose, but most of the time I will. As of right now, I will always pick Jacksonville to lose. So the Broncos over Jacksonville. That feels like a pretty fair bet. Uh, I always pick the game day location game. By the way, Annabelle, my dog, undefeated, she has the first two weeks picked wow. the correct Chuck It ball. Better so than anyone. Chuck It, any call me. Is yeah, probably like, undefeated. I mean, <laughs> like maybe guest picker. I'm thinking by mid-season, I, I take yeah, her to game day and we it. just throw up on stage. Uh, but in the meantime, I would like to steal from her, but she hasn't made her pick yet. So I'm going to take Penn State 
over Auburn at home in the wideout. I think there's just too much atmosphere there. And again, as I said earlier, Bo Nix tends to, uh, the quarterback of Auburn, tends to press when he's on the road. That's the environment you press in. I was there a couple years ago, and you could physically feel things shaking in the stadium. I kept looking around thinking, it's structurally sound, right? Like the wideout is a different <laughs> level. It hits different. So I am going to take Penn State over Auburn, but I think it's actually going to be at least a good game. I'm sticking with the NFL where I am taking the incredible-looking Arizona team and that offense and that MVP candidate, Kyler Murray, over Minnesota. The Vikings lost in week one, didn't look that great. I don't expect a lot from them anyway. So against a team that looked as hot as Arizona did last week, I'm going to go ahead and say L for the Vikings. Arizona wins. And by the way, like, the Vikings have talent. I don't like every year I look at the roster and think they should win some football games. And every yeah. year they just don't. So like yeah. I just wonder at what point Minnesota as an organization decides that maybe it's time to start, you know, thinking about a rebuild. I I, I like mean that? I mean, so much money on Kirk Cousins and yeah. even Mike Zimmer. I just wonder how safe everybody's yeah. gonna be. I've got one more pick to get in, and I'm gonna go with I think the most predictable pick and the easiest pick on the board out of the entire week. The Packers are just going to just absolutely do naughty, naughty, naughty things to the Lions. It's not going to be pretty. Nothing about it is going to be something that Detroit fans are going to like. Detroit fans, just take the day off. Like, don't don't watch. Just watch an old uh, highlight from, like, a Barry Sanders era game or something. Don't watch this one because I would not want Even if it's a less invested version of Aaron Rodgers, he's still like Aaron Rodgers could come out and be totally chill and they'd still win by 20. I was going to make that pick and something in me was like, wait, what if this team is actually trash and what we saw was not an anomaly? So I stayed away and I went with a team that I know is trash and that is Atlanta because I saw them be (laughs) trash last weekend. So I'm going Tampa Bay, reigning champs who looked great over the Cowboys, over Atlanta who looked absolutely disastrous. And uh, you know what? I feel good about it. I really do. Yeah, Atlanta looked like a dumpster fire in one week, and then you just got to sit there and say, what did they see? Like, I, I look, I, I love Kyle Pitts, but what did they see that they decided they were going to try and, like, run it back and, and just make one change? Cause- By the way, Fitz, really quick, we, we didn't get to get back to the reasons that the Orioles kept beating the Yankees, wrong answers only, but I just want to point out that the best answer was at Machado Gnome, who hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed to join Spain and Fitz Nation and just put the picture of A-Rod kissing himself in the mirror. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.